thank you to those guys. Looking a little like the Tennessee Three today. Only one of you is not from Tennessee. We've got one Cajun in the midst. So, he will tell you about things like gumbo. Um, man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. We uh, um, been in this series on Proverbs. We've got this week and next week left, uh, and uh, excited. It's been a good series. I got to be honest with you. It's been a it's been a trying series. I'm just uh, from a teaching standpoint. It's a it's a lot of study. It's a lot of time. Uh, you know, I just I, I struggle. I want to I want to cover everything on a topic, and then when especially when you like narrow it down to, okay, we're going to study a book, and then we're going to study almost kind of topically a lot of that book, then I want to talk about every little piece, and, uh, you know, already I think they uh, they want to kill me up in the booth for sending like 17 passages every week, and, you know, all this kind of thing, but uh, uh, anyway, it's it's been good, nonetheless, and uh, I think today will be good as well. Uh, today we're talking... Uh, about uh, what it looks like to be a godly man versus a foolish man. Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, this is a little bit, you know, uh, Proverbs talks a lot, obviously, about wisdom. It is the book of wisdom. Uh, but then, uh, you know, because of that, it also talks a lot uh, about not being a fool, uh, you know. And so, uh, of course, our minds immediately go to Mr. T quotes uh, and... Um, but uh, you know, there, there's a lot. There's a lot to be said about uh, you know the things that uh, it talks about specifically uh, when it comes to being a fool. I think when we think about you know, especially you know, and, and I know some of you are not men here today, uh, or even male, and that's okay. I think that this will still be uh, just uh, as helpful for you as it is for uh, the fellas. But uh, we've got we've got uh, something special for the ladies next week, so uh, be, be sure you're here for that. Uh, but um, anyway, this, uh, this, this idea of being a man, this is one of those things that I think for so many of us, we, we tend to, you know, we have a certain, uh, you know, skew. E- even if we say, oh, well, a man is not always these, you know, macho things or whatever, the truth is we still think, you know, about uh, them in this way. In fact, there's a certain man that came to mind uh, when I was getting ready for this message, and I was thinking about him, and I was thinking about some of the things that we know about him, and maybe you've heard some of these things. I wanted to share some of them with you, uh, just a few statements about him, and maybe you know him, maybe you don't. Uh, uh, he is known for giving his own father the talk. He experienced an awkward moment just to know how it felt. He found the fountain of youth but not drinking from it because he wasn't thirsty. Nobody. Okay. We'll keep going. His small talk changed foreign politics. He frees bears from bear traps. He once parallel parked a train. He surfed a killer whale. He's known for slamming a revolving door. He is... The most interesting man in the world. Oh, so close, but yet so far, right? Chuck Norris's tears do cure cancer. Too bad he's never cried. 
Chuck Norris does read books. He, he doesn't read books. He stares them down until he gets the information he wants. Chuck Norris can do a wheelie on a unicycle. He once won a game of Connect Four in three moves. The dark is afraid of him. And he can kill two stones with one bird. So, yes, you can, we, I was ready for you there. You guys, you guys were really, really excited for the Chuck Norris. I'm going to totally skip the most interesting man in the world, right? You know, I, it, you know, funny, it, you know, I think it's funny, and, uh, you know, and I think it's funny that we do still, in the back of our heads, do think so many different, you know, things about men or whatever, uh, and this morning, I just really want to look at the scriptures and see, uh, you know, some of the things. In fact, I want to start off giving some scriptures. We're not going to go to them, because we just don't have the time, and it would have put us into a lot of scriptures. We're already into a lot of scriptures, uh, but just a, a few to, to make mention of out of Proverbs one twenty two. one of the things that we see uh, when uh, the writer, when uh, he's talk, when Solomon's talking about uh, a fool, he talks about uh, them being scoffers and opinionated. You know, I think that this this resonates. We know people. Sometimes we are those people who are scoffers and opinionated. Uh, six twelve through fifteen, he talks about being a troublemaker. In six six and eleven, he talks about being a sluggard. He talks in uh, 1, 32 and 33 about being complacent, you know, and, 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 we could, and we could talk about a lot of these things of like what it takes to be a fool, and I, I chose this morning to kind of mention some of these things, and if they resonate with you, then let the Lord, you know, work on your heart about that. That's not me trying to give you a guilt trip, because I think the tendency for us when we hear a message like this is to start taking notes and checklisting, you know, where we're, where we're failing and where we're doing a good job. And the truth is, is we can't get it right. We can't, you know, I mean, we're always going to struggle. There's always going to be, because we're sinful people, our hearts are sinful. And so we're, there's always going to be something that we're, that we're, you know, quote unquote, failing in or struggling in or whatever it may be. And the truth is, is that that's part of what drives us to follow Jesus, and we're going to talk more about that. Uh, but but all of these things. One of the things that I did want to talk about that I feel like is one of those pieces is out of Proverbs twenty nine twenty five, and it's and it's this, and it says, "The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. You know this this idea of the fear of man thing. This is this can come about I think in different ways. You know, some people may say, well, it's my it's my daddy issues coming to the top or uh, you know, but but the truth is it just it may just be plain old like just wanting to please people. Yeah, maybe it does come from something earlier in life or whatever it may be. But the truth is is that we all have a little bit of the wanting to please people, social media uh, is full of it. Just go look at whatever's in your feed today, and a good majority of that is probably going to be that because we love to put out the stuff uh, that is that is perfect in our lives, the great things that are going on in our lives. We want people to know about those things. We want them to celebrate those things. Generally speaking, we like for people uh, to think that we have it together. There's a family in our church. I'll let them go unnamed, but I, I swear, like every time. Uh, she messages me or calls me here in the last few weeks. It's some like new catastrophe in their lives 
that's going on. This week it was a flat tire. Apparently it was the ER the day before. Last week it was uh, being locked. Somebody being locked in the house, fell on the floor. Somebody trying to break in their old house, not even knowing where they're living. I mean, just all kinds of just random crazy stuff, you know, right? But that's not usually the stuff. I mean, sometimes we do for a joke, right? Because we love to laugh. But, you know, that's not usually the stuff that we love to put out there. Oh, I made this mistake, and it, it's going to cost us a medical bill now because I went to the ER and found out I just needed a couple of Tylenol. Uh, you know, never mind my husband's a nurse, you know, whatever. You know, it's, uh, right? It's, you know, it's, it's these moments that get us, right? And, uh, and for us, I think, to recognize that we, we have in all of us a little bit of this fear of man. Galatians 1.10 says this. It says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think that that's, that's, that becomes the question for us, especially as we're contemplating uh, wisdom, not being a fool, trying to follow the Lord, and what it looks like for us to uh, not have the fear of man thing be an issue for us in life is to ask ourselves the real question, which is, are we more concerned with what God thinks than are we concerned about what others think? And that's easier sometimes answered than you know, being truthful with ourselves of what it really might be, what the answer really, really might be. I want to want to share another passage, Proverbs 24, verse 3, and it says this, it says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Now we've read some of this so far, but I want to read this next part to you, verse 6. It says, for by wise guidance... You can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Wisdom is too high for a fool. In the gate, he does not open his mouth. So this passage brings about something interesting. It comes back to something that we brought up earlier in the series that, uh, you know, that we that wisdom you know, is, is what builds a house. You know, this is talking about a family here, even the riches here. We talked about that several weeks ago now. Uh, but we get down to this other part, and I think this is something that a lot of, lot of us could, could stand to hear. You know, this verse 6 part, for by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. He's saying here that the wise man listens to others. He receives wise counsel. He's not a know-it-all. He's not a know-it-all. And in fact, you go to the next verse, wisdom is too high for a fool. That's somebody who thinks they've got it all figured out. That's somebody who thinks they don't need to ask anybody about anything. They're going to do it their way, and it's going to be fun. It also says, in the gate, he does not open his mouth. And it's talking about how a fool won't shut up. They won't be quiet. They just keep rattling on, right? You know, I know you're like thinking of people. Don't be thinking of people. Think of you, okay? Like, think about where you are with the Lord. Are you, do you struggle with some of these things? Are we struggling with some of these things, right? 
by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. A wise man surrounds himself with a good team, people speaking into his life. Uh, I am not saying that I'm wise by any stretch, but one of the things that I can attribute to uh, 24 ministry in the past, uh, my personal business, a lot of things is that I, I have gone into almost I, probably all of these things, really, knowing that I don't have a clue of what I'm doing. I mean, not in the slightest. And so all along the way, I have, I've, I've always, and, I don't, and I, I don't know if this is because of my upbringing, I don't know if it's something the Lord instilled in me early on or whatever, but there's something along the way where I figured out and learned that if I'm supposed to be doing something and I want to do it well, that I should find other people that are doing that thing and go learn from them. Go learn from them. Find out what's working. What are you doing? You know? And uh, believe me, there have been plenty of times I haven't done it. This isn't like, oh, hey, look at Chris. He does a great job. Listen, there's been plenty of times I haven't done it. And then I'm always reminded, what am I doing? Why, why am I trying to do this by myself? Why am I not seeking the guidance of other people who I know are wise and have knowledge about this thing? I mean, it's so simple, but yet men, especially, we get that lone wolf mentality, right? You know, and we're just going to go it alone. We're going to get out in the woods and howl by ourselves, you know. We don't need anybody. We can do it our way. And the wisdom that comes from this passage alone, I think, is just amazing. I think it's amazing. An abundance of counselors, there is victory. We love victory. We love it. We love victory, you know? I think for us, we just need to recognize that God has put other people in our lives for a purpose, for a reason. And, and maybe it's that God wants to put more people, new people in our lives for a purpose and a reason that we've not yet known, figured out, understood, whatever it may be, that, that he wants to use them in our lives to help guide us into what he's calling us to do. And maybe that's work. Maybe that's family. Maybe that's about being a good dad. Maybe that's about being a good husband. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to see before the end of this year is, is that we're gathering men to push each other toward Jesus in, in bigger and smaller ways. That's, that's heavy on my heart, working on that. We're, we're, we're getting pretty close to that. Maybe you need other people in your life help pushing you toward him. All right, Proverbs 25, 28. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. You see, men who love wisdom should also love discipline. 
not just kind of willy-nilly, just kind of going at it, but that there's some sort of a plan in life, that he understands that, you know, like the passage says, that if we're not careful, we will not be able to protect ourselves. If our life just gets to some point of crazy where there's, there's no balance, there's no nothing to it, and we're just kind of flying through it at a million miles an hour, and I think we all feel this sometimes, you know, if we're not careful, we're like that city that's been broken into and is left without walls, and we're just, we're just up for attack. We're up for attack from the evil one, temptation to the sin that we have in our life already, and we won't be able to protect ourselves. And it will lead us to ruin. Proverbs 21.23 says this. It says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So this is the discipline of the tongue, right? You know, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Now this is, this is a good one for some of us. Some of us, some of us don't know when to be quiet, right? I mean... And some of you, some of your wives are like looking at you right now. And I'm trying, I'm trying not to stare at you. Um, I'm going to look over here on the ground because my wife's not in here yet. Praise the Lord. And so, because sometimes I can't be quiet, you know, because it's, it's fun to be dumb. It's fun to be funny, you know, and I got, I always got something to say, you know, and, uh, you know, but the truth is, is that we have to be able to rein in. You know, sometimes what God is calling us to do is just be a listener, be quiet, to hear. You know, if we're going to hear from those people that are those counselors in our lives, those people that are part of that team that God has built to, to uh, help coach us through and give us good advice, it means we've got to be quiet so that we can hear them. Proverbs 23 <laughs> Oh, man. Some of you have got a long lunch today. (laughs) Proverbs 23, verse 4 says this. It says, do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings, flying like an eagle toward heaven. A wise man understands the limits of money. He understands the limits of possessions. You know? You know, it, it, it's one of those things of like, yeah, it's, it's good to save. It's good to have home. And we're going to even get to a part here where it's talking about how, you know, we're called to work and help, you know, provide and all those things. It's great, you know? But if we're not careful, we take that thing that God put in us as men especially, and I know ladies do this too, uh, but there's something about what God put in us as men where we really desire to provide for our families. And in fact, when, when that's not working right, I can tell you, and I've counseled some people even recently over this, I mean, it, it, is, it really messes a guy up, you know, it can. And, um, you know, but for us to understand that we can take this thing that God has given us and turn it into an idol, where suddenly it's no longer about providing for a family. It's really about just trying to have excess. And it's trying to 
do stuff that we don't really need to do, and we start to sacrifice other things in our lives. And maybe that's family, maybe that's other relationships, whatever it may be. We've just got to be careful about it. We've got to watch it. You know, in, in this passage, really what he's saying here is he's saying that the wise man understands, you know, they don't toil to acquire wealth. I'm just reading the passage now. But be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings like an eagle toward heaven. And it's, it's, it's trying to help us understand these things don't last. These things don't last. They can be great things, but they don't last. You know, I've got tons of great, cool junk, right? doesn't last, you know? People come in my shop sometimes, they're like, oh, man, look at all this. I'm like, oh, yeah, we got a lot of junk. They're like, oh, don't call this junk. I'm like, it's junk, I promise you. I can't take it with me, and it really isn't doing a whole lot for me, right? So it's the understanding of just seeing it for what it is. We can enjoy it, absolutely enjoy it, whatever, but don't let it own you. A wise man is disciplined in these areas in life, disciplined in their speech, disciplined with their money, disciplined in self-control of, of the decisions that they're making in life. Proverbs 23 verse 14 says this, it says, if you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. We were talking about uh, raising children and that sort of thing. And uh, this is kind of that piece of discipline coming into that, kind of discipline continued here, if you will. Uh, but literally, this is, this is starting this, this section of you know, us understanding that a wise man loves, loves his children. Okay? Now, if, you, if you'll notice, part of... The message that I'm sharing today is a wise man loves blank. A wise man loves blank. It was, you know, a wise man loves discipline. A wise man loves his children. He loves his children so much that he is willing to be a part of discipline in their lives and understands that it helps set the trajectory, possibly even the path toward their salvation. Because what? If we just, you know... Turn our kids out in the yard like a bunch of free-range chickens. They're going to raise themselves. How's that going to work out for us, right? Some of you have tried that. I've, I've been to your house. I've seen what it looks like. Your kids are just, you know, that's great, okay? Everybody's got a style. Um, an understanding for us that as we love our kids is that we're helping them be prepared to survive in this world. Proverbs 12 11 says this, it says, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. And this is, you know, this is going back to what I was mentioning a minute ago, that, you know, a wise man works hard, he provides for his family. And again, that's tough when that's not working out. I got to tell you, and I, maybe you've heard me say this before, but during the recession in 08, I counseled lots of ladies who did not know what to do with their husbands some time after their husbands had lost their job. And, and really what it had come down to is, you know, those men were used to providing for their families. And in, even in some situations where the lady, they're still fine financially, the lady maybe had a great job or whatever, they had placed so much of their identity in the work 
and the being able to provide that they felt like they were worthless. And these ladies were coming to me and saying, Chris, I don't know, I don't know what to do. He, he doesn't, you know, it's like, it, it's just, it's getting worse and worse every day. It's like they don't feel like they have any worth and uh, can't even just get them to do simple things or whatever it may be. You know, and, and this comes back to, again, what happens if we take something that the Lord put in us as people, you know, this could be any number of things, but in particular this one here being the, the work ethic thing, and turning it into who we are, and it's not who we are. Our identity has to be in Christ. It can't be in the things of this world. Even, even these things that God has given us, it can't be about that. My identity can't be that I'm a pastor. My identity can't be, uh, you know, my job title, my name, you know, my reputation, whatever. My identity needs to be in Jesus. And that I'm seeking Jesus to mold and shape me into who I am, not a job title, right? It's not to say the job title is not important. It is important. Proverbs 13, 22 says this. It says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. And again, this is in thought and in the vein of a wise man loves his children. He loves his children in such ways that he's thinking about them even when he's gone. Now, if you're like me, immediately you can go to, you know, well, my kid's not going to get a whole lot, you know, when I'm gone, you know, kind of thing. You know, and I think that sometimes too. I hope they love pinball machines and Mustangs. Um, but either way, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think for us just to recognize that we're thinking ahead, planning ahead. This is, it's, it's, not about, it's not about making, it's not saying make your kids rich. It's saying think about that. A wise man's thinking about that. He's hoping to leave an inheritance. And the truth is that inheritance may not even be financial. You know? A wise man loves his children. A wise man loves discipline. A wise man is not a lone wolf. And then here comes this whole section here. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 takes us to the next section, which is a wise man loves his wife. Ephesians 5.25 says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is not out of Proverbs. You are correct, but it's taking us down the path, and Proverbs backs it up, and it brings about this important piece that I don't think that we can ignore, which is that men are called to love their wives as Jesus loved the church. I mean, that whole passage, that whole second part of Ephesians 5. I, by the way, I, anytime I, and you probably heard me say this, anytime I do premarital counseling, we're walking through this passage together. And I spend a great deal of time, usually 30 minutes or so, giving a personal message about this passage. Maybe not quite that long, but close to it. 
And, and I love baiting the hook with this passage because it starts, if, you've, if you go back and you read the first part of that passage right there, it, it starts with, you know, women submit to your husbands and all this. So I love assigning the passage you know, and I'll usually assign it like at the end of the second session and be like, all right, when you come back for the third section, we're going to talk about this passage and this and this. And so when they come back, usually, you know, unless they, you know, if they've grown up in church and they're, you know, they've been around and they've studied the scriptures, they're like, oh yeah, this is great. And then otherwise, usually I've got like at least one of them that's a little bit wound up by the time they get to the office. And I love it that way, you know? And so we, you know, we get in there and, you know, and did, even did, even, even did this past week. I, lo- I love it every time. It never gets old. Um, you know, and we, and we got to talking about the passage. And I said, well, what you think about? Well, you know, like, like this part of the passage, not so sure about, you know, this other. And but then, you know, I bring it around and we talk through it. And I'm like, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's look at what's really happening in the passage. And in the passage, what we really have is we have the picture of a man who is submitting himself to Jesus. And so he's been given this title of leading his family, not in any bad way, by the way. It's just, it's just a role thing. It's not a, you know. And... In the midst of that, the lady is called to come under his authority and submit to his authority while he's submitting to the authority of Christ. I was like, just imagine like being married to a man who loves Jesus more than anything in this world, and he wants to lead you and your whole family toward the Lord. How could that go wrong? How could that go wrong? Because, of course, the world takes that passage and says, oh, well, that's, you know, that's a bunch of Christian dudes just wanting you know, wanting to have the ability to be able to tell their wife to go get them something to drink whenever they want to, not have to get off the couch, you know. Not quite the case. Not quite the case. But, I mean, you look at that passage. You look at the passage, and you see it. And what's it say? That he might sanctify her, verse 26, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without Blemish, ladies, you want this kind of man. This is the man who holds you up as Christ held up the church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Some of you like this, the wrinkle thing especially, right? I know you do. The makeup's not working, by the way. I'm just kidding. It's too easy. But... To present her in splendor, right? It's this huge deal. To present her in I mean, this is, this is the opposite of every sitcom we've ever seen in the last 20 years, right? Where it's like, you know, the, the, the husband is this, you know, buffoon, and we just kind of make fun of him all the time, and he's standing around the water cooler at work, and like, oh, i got to get home to my old lady. She's wanting me to... Fix the stairs to the attic today, you know, or whatever it is. And this is not that. This is, man, I can't wait home to get to be with my wife for the weekend. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to spend time with her 
This is pretty amazing stuff. Paul spends this whole second part of Ephesians 5 talking about Jesus and the church and husbands and wives. And it is, it is quite frankly, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture, especially when it comes down to the relationship between a husband and a wife. We men, men of God, are called to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. Proverbs 23, 26 says this. Proverbs 23, here we're back to Proverbs, so we're still there, and we're still under he loves his wife. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a prostitute is a deep pit, an adulteress is a narrow well. She lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors among mankind. So this is a warning, and we covered this earlier in the series, but I knew I needed to come back to this for this, for this message. To understand that there are, you know, he's talking about a prostitute here, an adulteress. You know, the truth is, is that this looks all kinds of different ways in this world. It can be. It can be a prostitute, you know. It can also be a computer or a phone or whatever. Back in the day, it was, you know, somebody's, you know, older brother's magazine collection that he kept in the ceiling in the basement or something that got pulled out in the, you know, the middle of the sleepover, and all of a sudden you're seeing this stuff you've never seen before, and it's like, whoa, right? Today doesn't have to be that. It's so easily accessible that it's ridiculous. And really, this is a call for us to be faithful, as men, to be faithful to our wives and understand that when we're not, it, it, as he puts there, he says, it, she lies in wait like a robber and increases the traitors of mankind. Increases the traitors of mankind. What's it feel like to hear that word traitor? Because that's referring to what happens to us really when it's pertaining to our wives. We're called to be faithful to her. We're also called to enjoy her. You know, a, a, a biblical marriage is a marriage that enjoys one another sexually, all the things. Like, let's don't leave that off the table, right? But in a way that is honoring to her, that shows our love for her, that's intimate with her, right? A godly man loves his wife. He loves his children. He loves discipline. He's not a lone wolf. Proverbs 13, 13 says this. It says, Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. A wise man loves the word. A wise man loves wisdom. A wise man loves wisdom knowing that wisdom is also loving Jesus. Jesus. 
that wisdom is Jesus. That those two words could be interchanged. So for us, the truth of who Jesus is, to love Him, to care for Him, to want to know Him more, that's the life-changing piece. This is, this is the life-changing piece. You, you, can, you can try to do all the other stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be better for my wife. I'm going to try to be better for my kids. I'm going to try to, you know, try to, try to, try to, try to. Well, guess what? You can't do it without Jesus. You'll just be trying. You'll just be checking off stuff. You'll be playing that legalistic game of, I'm going to try to make God happy with me. No. No. God already loves you. He just wants you to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, he wants you to know him more. He wants you to dive into a relationship with the Savior that changes your life in such a way that the byproduct of that is you're a better husband, you're a better dad, you're a better co-worker, you're all these things. Someone who loves the word. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Well, where are we getting that from? Where are we getting that from? Jesus. To know wisdom means to know Jesus. He is wisdom. This is the goal. That we would be like Christ. He's the man of God that we strive to be. He's also the one we could never be, and that's the reminder of why we so desperately need Him. We can't do it. We need Him. Ephesians 5.1 says this. It says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. A godly man loves Jesus. A godly man loves Jesus. And by loving Jesus and having a relationship with him, it changes everything else about us. It changes our goals even. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Check this out. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The number one statement that I have heard when counseling men is this. I'm not where I thought I would be. I'm not where I thought I would be. We get a dream going, right? We were told when we were kids, you want, if you can dream it up, go to school for it, you can be that. Right? This was an 80s thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not completely true either. We don't all get to be astronauts. They don't have that many of them. For us to understand that whatever the Lord brings, that we could trade, that a godly man is a person that would trade in his dreams 
for God's plan. I want to read that again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I, I realize that you may not be where you thought you were going to be at this age, at this time in your life. I realize that. I think most people feel that way. And that's okay. Because guess what? Our dream isn't as important as we thought that it was. Because something exists that is way more important, and that's not our dream, it's his plan. His plan. A godly man isn't a fool. He's someone who loves discipline. He's not a lone wolf. He loves his children. He loves his wife. He loves Jesus. He's willing to trade his dreams for God's plan. He's a man of his word. He's a good friend. He's a good listener. He's a good encourager. He's willing to put others before himself. And he loves like Jesus. I think that's the biggest piece for us today. is for us to understanding that our love for Jesus turns into a love like Jesus. Showing that our lives have been changed by Jesus. Understanding that we'll never be perfect, but we'll be better. We'll be Christ-like and it's all a reminder of how much we need Jesus. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never trusted in Jesus to be your Savior. I want you to know something. God sent Jesus to die for you as much as he did me. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to forgive you. Maybe it's time today for you to take your sin, your transgressions to him, and lay them at his feet and beg for Him to be the Lord of your life, to change you, to make you new, to make you wise, to help you be wise. It's kind of one of those things, I don't know that we ever get there, per se, as far as being wise, but it's a pursuit. It's a call that we, especially as Christian men, women, we'll talk about that next week, that we are called to seek the Lord and for him to work in our lives and to understand that to be a fool is to turn our backs on him. To be a godly man is to pursue him and be an imitator of Christ. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray for the men of 24 Church. I pray that we would be the things that you have called us to be. God, first and foremost, Lord, may we, may we pursue you. God, we understand that the other things fall into place when we are right with you. God, help us in what it looks like to have a relationship with you. God, may it not just be something that's just convenient for us, but Lord, something that is alive and at work in us. God, help us to be the men that you have called to be light into this world, into our houses, into our businesses, 
into our ministries. God, in all the things, God, wherever we go, use us for your glory. God, I pray for anyone right now, Lord, that hasn't trusted in you to be their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day, God, that they would call out. God, I pray that they would pray right now. God, save me. Forgive me. Make me new. Make me yours. I want to be in your family. Lord, use me for your glory. God, we come to you with these things today only because of what you've done through your son Jesus. And we pray all of it in his name. Amen.